Alright, the magic number may be six. I'll explain that here shortly. Welcome into Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. I am David Nuno, and uh, we are enjoying a day here of uh, getting you ready for the Texas A&M game against Notre Dame. It should be one of the uh, the highlights of the season, guys. It's uh, I'm calling this the uh, retaliation tour, the revenge tour, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'm looking forward to it as we uh, have an opportunity to exercise some demons. They did it against uh, Notre Dame, excuse me, against Texas. Now they have an opportunity to do it against Notre Dame, potentially, maybe even Oklahoma. That's what the plan is, and that's what the plan should be. Uh, super excited to talk to you guys this morning. My computer just froze on me, um, so we'll try to fix that here in a moment. But we're going to break it all down, and I'm going to give you reasons for uh, why I think that number of six is so important because a and has been able to score some runs, um, and they've been able to do that um, really with the meat of their lineup, not doing much, guys. It's, um, it's, it's really been interesting to see that even with some of the mistakes that we have seen out there, right? We have seen defensive mistakes. We've seen some pitching mistakes. We've seen some great uh, relief pitching, no doubt about that. But the, for those reasons, it has been a, a bit scary when you talk about how this team has done things. But game time is here, 1 o'clock start for that one. And uh, some things to know about Notre Dame. Um, they've got, uh, you know, they obviously beat Tennessee, the number one team in the country, and they did that. Uh, and they have a, uh, a big-time closer in Jack Finley that we may see today in this game. He potentially could start against uh, Tennessee's five scoreless innings in that Game 3 win over the Volunteers. He also went two and a third innings against Texas. Um, and at some point, I, I fully do expect A&M to see him if he is starting, which some reports out there are suggesting he could start. But his numbers in the uh, regular season and postseason have been phenomenal. In the regular season, 5-1 and one with a 0.79 ERA. Um, I even read a report that said uh, he's been better in the postseason, um, looking at some of his numbers. So that just shows you how good he is. Now, one thing we know about A&M offensively is they will eventually get to the pitcher, right? Like that's, you know, if they don't get you early, they'll get you late. If they don't get you at the top of the lineup, they'll get you in the middle of the lineup. If they don't get you in the middle of the lineup, they get you at the bottom of the lineup. Um, And that's something that they've been able to do. So the key maybe against Notre Dame, though, is to get on them early so you can avoid uh, Finley. That would be great. Um, You know, maybe we could see something like we saw against the University of Texas where the Aggies are able to get four early runs there in the second inning. And, um, you know, from all indications, from the things that I have read and, and, and seen about Notre Dame, they are not built to come from behind. They are a team that is built with strong pitching and excellent defense. For those reasons right there, it is a, a good reason for A&M to jump on them early. In the postseason, though, Notre Dame, this is why I think the number of six is so important. Notre Dame is averaging four and a half runs per game in the postseason. That's 11 games that they've played in. So four and a half runs in, the, in those games. In their wins, they have scored six runs or more in four of those games, right? Um, more than six runs, they've done that in three out of their last four games. So really, offensively, they've been peaking at the right time. Uh, if you consider six runs peaking, they've done that in uh, three out of their last four games. And they've done that against teams that have been number one in the country at some point this year. We're talking about Texas. We're talking about Tennessee. Um, And they also have another pitcher that we could see today in John Bertrand, who got them the win over Texas. So um, as of right now, unsure about the starters for this game. Uh, We should know that here shortly. But uh, Schlaf said yesterday in his uh, 
press conference that it's going to be all hands on deck. And we've seen that from this team time and time again, a hands, uh, all hands on deck kind of uh, uh, team. Um, they've got, uh, you got Ryan Prager potentially who could go. And uh, he's been, you know, I would say typically the number three starter for this team this year. He's done a really nice job at times, but he doesn't have a reputation for long outings. Um, it's, it's been a while. He hasn't made it out of the fifth since March and uh, mid-March, I should say, on that. And he has lasted less than four innings in three consecutive starts. Um, that just gives you a little bit of perspective of what the Ags are, are going to be having to go against pitching-wise and what they have themselves pitching-wise. Um, you know, As for the offense, we th- I think we know this about them. They can score. They can flat-out score. They may not lead the, the nation in home runs, but they do know how to get on base. They, knew how to, they do know how to get timely hits. They do know how to get doubles. Um, and the question I asked from the very beginning of the show is, can the Ag score at least six runs? So I've already told you that during their College World Series run, Notre Dame is averaging about four and a half runs per game. If the Ags can score at least six runs in this this game, uh, their chances of winning are very high. Not just because of Notre Dame's numbers, but because of A&M's numbers. They're 29-6 when they score at least six runs. And we know what they've done here in the College World Series. 18 runs. 18 runs in those games in the College World Series. Again, with part of the the meat of their lineup not really creating a lot of that offense, right? Um, you know, we, we spent time talking about the top of the lineup, but here's some more numbers for you to consider. So, obviously, you get used to hearing the Dylan Rocks names, Jack Moss names, the Trevor Warner names out there, but there have been others that have been able to uh, show up. And even Jack Moss, who may have not done a bunch in the College World Series, his postseason run has been great. Austin Boast, Jordan Thompson, and Jack Moss are all batting 348 during this NCAA tournament. We'll take that. We'll absolutely take that. Uh, so we'll continue to examine all of this. But right now, let's go around the room and say hello to the people. We go behind the glass. Sam Kamen, good morning, sir. Good morning. I think, I think the biggest story, though, is can we hold Notre Dame to less than five runs? Because... I believe, like I said, I believe in our offense time and time again, no matter if it's early in games or late in games, I believe in our offense to score runs and get almost to that double-digit run threshold. But I think the biggest thing from game one to game two was just the difference in pitching. And, I mean, it can be from the starters. It can be from the bullpen. I mean, it'd be nice to have a long start from whoever gets the start today and try and save the bullpen for what would be you have to beat Oklahoma twice and that to just to get to the championship series. So as I mentioned, they're averaging four and a half runs per game, Notre Dame is in their wins. But recently they've been getting six and seven runs, right? Their their last three wins have all been six, six and seven runs in that game. I'm a believer that this bullpen can keep because, again, if you go back to the Oklahoma game, it was a comedy of errors. And I hate to use the word comedy, but it was, you know, it was a bunch of mistakes. Um, and it was you know, with two outs. And I don't think that's indicative of this team overall. If you can get on them early, get on Notre Dame early, uh, I think you have a wonderful chance to win this game, especially understanding how Brad Rudis has pitched, um, how the, the rest of the staff really has done such a wonderful job. Jacob Palish, uh, obviously Polish, did such a wonderful job in the last game. So can they get seven runs? Well, they're, they're trending towards that. Can they keep Notre Dame below that is the, the other question. I think they can, uh, Sam. 
Exactly. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see who they run out at the beginning of the game. Um, and I think Coach Sloshnagel said it yesterday. They're going to try and piecemeal it together. It's going to be all hands on deck, and it'll be uh, interesting to – I mean, Coach Slosh is going to earn uh, his uh, manager of the year uh, and coach of the year status if he's able to pull off three wins in three days type of thing with – the limited amount of pitching as well as just what he's done throughout the entire season. Like winning three game, three games in uh, three days with uh, a bullpen and pitching staff on very short rest is going to be very tough. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But let, let's go ahead and, and say this. They haven't had the most talented team this year. They have not had the most talented pitching staff. They have struggled defensively for huge chunks of the season, yet they're one of the six remaining teams in the country. They could very soon be one of the four remaining teams in the country. Uh, and they've done that because of the, some of the parts that Bronny always talks about, um, how they are, have opportunistic offenses and how you know, really they have developed. I think the word developed, you know, so when you say that Schloss could make another name claim for the coach of the year, I think he's already done it in the fact that this team was not supposed to be here. And really, up until they got the national seed, there were still doubts about this team. Here they are still playing ball. They destroyed a very good Texas team. Regardless if Texas was playing you know, above or below what their expectations were as the season went on, A&M took it to them. The Oklahoma game got out of hand. Yet, it was still a game at the end. They still had an opportunity within striking distance. Um, so, they have exceeded expectations. And I think there's a really good chance we're one of the four teams left in this country with a chance to take it to Oklahoma. I still think there, there's a very good uh, chance of that happening. Again, though, uh, jump on Notre Dame early. They're not built for those kind of games. You were going to say? And I was going to say, I think it's a perfect opportunity because... Since A&M has been the home team, to, uh, the first two games, I think, will be the visitor, visiting team today. So might as well start the first inning with a, a crooked number and give the starting pitchers some a lead to work with. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can text us on the A&B text line, 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150, A&B, a College Station branch of the Amarillo National Bank. Good Texas Banking, the website anb.com. Let's go to the news and the social center. Tomas Romo. Como estas, Tomas? Good morning, David. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I figured you were going to get me there with, uh, with the voice. I'm still waking up over here. But uh, honestly, I was just thinking about what you and Sam were saying. And I think a big thing that AM does have that Notre Dame doesn't is momentum. AM just knocked off their biggest rival 10 to 2 on top of that Oklahoma game, like you said, where it was just a a comedy of errors. They beat themselves up that way. They're getting they're getting used to being at the College World Series where a lot of these guys really weren't ready for it or haven't experienced it yet. But now they got their feet wet. They beat the their rival. And now also, too, David, they're the highest-ranked team remaining after Stanford lost yesterday. And I think it's one of those things that I know Billy said it last week that anyone that has to play A&M should be worried about this team and what they're able to do. And I bet Notre Dame is thinking the same thing, regardless if it's going to be a bullpen type game or whoever they end up throwing out there. a going to be ready to play, and I expect them to get it done today. Yeah, I, I hope they get get it done. I, obviously, we all do that are listening to this show. 
I feel good about it. And it's it's very early, and of course, it's going to rely on who who, who pitches and who pitches well. And um, if A and M can get up to an early lead against Notre Dame, I think that bodes really well. Uh, I really do. And and the way that remember, it wasn't that long ago where there were so many question marks about that bullpen, like blowing leads, and oh, here we go. This team is a is is a team that. How many series in a row have they won? How many two out of threes have they won? Like, it's just, this is what they do. They find ways to win. They've got to do it again. This will be the third game, right, um, in the College World Series. I have no reason to believe that they won't find a way to get it all done. Um, any any uh, text messages for us, Tomas? I don't have any text messages for you, David. I think everyone's just ready to watch the Axe play at 1 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Landon asking, though, about uh, why the higher seed is not always the home team. Uh, I will ask Bronny that. I'm sure he'll have a, a good answer. We will have Bronny on the program here uh, shortly. Uh, we'll have him at around, uh, well, not shortly, 10.05. So uh, a little less than two hours, Brodding will be joining the show. Uh, but for those who want to know, OB will be joining us for his part of the Go Hour here starting in a few minutes. We'll talk to OB live from Omaha. Billy's going to be back on the show today because we uh, we wanted to do all f- baseball yesterday, and we're going to do some baseball with Billy today again. But he's got some football recruiting news to get into, some some momentum. It is June and some movement is uh, still expected here at the end of the month. So we'll talk to Billy about that uh, potential moves out there or what how things could shake out beyond June, July, as we get into the uh, the school year here, August, September. So we'll get into that. But right now we're talking about the Association of Former Students. They've been doing it for such a long time, over 140 years. Your financial gifts have empowered them to be here to be there, to be everywhere. And uh, that is something that they have done with such great pride and done for a long time because uh, they love to give back to this fine, fine, fine university. That's why they gave them uh, Aggie Park that should be ready here soon. And that's why they continue to give to Aggies all around the world from scholarships to student assistance programs, you name it. You got ring day, class reunions. The Association of Former Students is always there to help. That is what they do. They help Aggies in need. They help Aggies all around the world. The why are, are, is an example of you. You are an example of the why. They, they, they feel such a connection with uh, Aggies all around the world, the former students, the current students, you name it. That's what the association does. And the why is to make your stories um, just even better. They want to be a, a helpful factor in all of that. Uh, that's why I'm recommending for you to check out IamTheWhy.com. IamTheWhy.com is a website, a collection of stories of people just like you. They're stories of perseverance, of the things they've gone through here at AM and beyond. I highly recommend you check it out. IamTheWhy.com. Again, the website is IamTheWhy.com. We call it Tech Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We are here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate everybody listening in, having a good old time. Rollo Insurance is the official insurance provider of Tech Radio. The difference is real. They're an independent insurance company built around educating you on exactly what you're paying for, doing the shopping for you so that you can accomplish all of your insurance goals. They can write any form of insurance to anyone in Texas and several other states. They've got 30 offices in the great state of Texas. Their headquarters is on Highway 6 right here in College Station. Call them up, 888-44-ROLLO, or go to rolloinsurance.com. So we're talking about A&M getting up early on Notre Dame, being a key to this one. Hopefully they can get it all done. Uh, let's get to uh, the BCSI hotline. Olin Buchanan joining us here from part of the Go Hour, condensed Go Hour, as he's on the road there uh, reporting live from Omaha. And OB, I know you have a column out there. You did some research. The longer the game, the better for A&M's chances against Notre Dame. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of this all. Uh, long is good for Texas A&M. Um, yeah, because what they like to do is win a battle of attrition. 
uh, especially on day three uh, or game three. Now, it's different uh, than typically in the season when you're in game three because it's a series. You've seen the same team through, you know, for the third straight day, and you, know, you might tax their pitching uh, or their bullpen. But that said, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame is, you know, uh, they're, they're the same kind of situation a and I mean, not every pitcher is going to be available. And so what you want to do is uh, you want to – their plan is to make uh, the opposing pitcher throw a lot of pitches and then try to get into their bullpen and see if you can't work over their bullpen, which they've done a great job of doing this year. Uh, and to do that, you know, when you when you play like that, uh, the game stretches, as we know, sometimes five hours, very often four hours or more. And I think uh, if A&M can do that, you know, that's going to be uh, conducive to them winning. Some of the notes that you have in your piece say uh, they are five and one in third games that lasted more than three and a half hours. So bottom line is if they can go three and a half, uh, maybe four hours, it's it's uh, it's the numbers are in your favor. Uh, yeah, it was the, the one game that they uh, that they lost that went uh, uh, three minutes and forty two. No, what was it? Over three uh, three minutes fifty two seconds. Uh, uh, I'm thought, sorry, three hours fifty two minutes was to South Carolina in a game three, um, and then they lost a, a game that went three hours and one minute to Florida uh, in the uh, SEC tournament. Remember that was a third game. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think A and M cared about losing. Uh, as you recall, uh, but that said, um, that's not necessarily a big revelation though, because we've seen it all year, you know, they, they've gotten into the bullpen, but in the, in, again, when you get to the third day, when, uh, not all the pitchers are available, if you can, uh, get into their bullpen, uh, we've, we've seen it all year. A&M just absolutely works over, uh, mediocre pitching. Now the problem with Notre Dame also is we don't know who they're going to pitch. We think it might be a guy, Jack Finley, uh, a reliever who, uh, you know, he pitched the third day against Tennessee in Knoxville and he pitched, uh, gave up one hitting one hit over the last five innings. Uh, they, you know, Tennessee had docked out the starter and, and the, uh, uh, first reliever, but that guy came on and pitched great. Uh, and they're probably look at A&M a lot like they look at Tennessee and the way that batting order is. So I wonder if they'll start Finley, you know, just from the outset. Obi, you mentioned that South Carolina series. If I remember correctly, and I might be wrong here, but I think I'm right. They started that series with their number three pitcher and saved their, right. their ace for the last game of that series, which also can kind of play with the way those numbers are. Bottom line is when A&M has a chance to face lineups, um, especially the longer the game goes or the longer their series goes, they usually get to them. You're, you're absolutely right on that. Uh, so, uh, actually, a good move by the South Carolina coach because he figured he wasn't going to win. I think they started their number two guy on, on the fir- on Friday, and then they had the, – I think that's right. And then they had their guy that would normally be their three on, on Saturday and then saved their, their, their opening guy for, uh, for Sunday. But uh, so, so you're right. That is one of the reasons it was – th- th- that was the anomaly. Ob, I'm also thinking about you know I, I use the number six as this barometer that A and M needs to score, but the longer the games go, obviously, and I hate saying obviously here, but the more runs that they score, and these long games, they'll get you eight runs. Typically, you know they've uh, again in in 
in uh, these uh, game three situations. Uh, now, they did get shut out by Florida in the third game of the SEC tournament. So nothing's ever 100%, right? And, and we talked about that South Carolina game. They lost nine to four. You know, but every other one of these three game uh, or third games, you know, they scored 15 runs on TCU. Uh, they had 12 in a series against Ole Miss. You know, every uh, 23 at Georgia in the third game, 17 against Kentucky. So uh, in, in most cases, they're scoring eight runs or more in those third game scenarios. And, you know, they scored eight runs against Oklahoma. They scored 10 against Texas. So, you know, that offense is, um, you know, is, is typically productive and especially in a third game. So uh, I would, I would go in now, now Slostagle said you can't do this, but I would go in thinking, okay, a and going to score eight runs. Can they keep now? And Notre Dame does pitch well, mm-hmm. but they, uh, maybe the, the line is eight runs. And if you, if you get to eight, are you going to pitch well enough to keep Notre Dame under that? Notre Dame's not a big scoring team. So that, that, that's kind of my thinking here. If A&M can get up early, and then look, if they start Jack Finley, I don't know if that helps or hurts you because then you don't have to face him later in a close game potentially. Right. But regardless, um, if, if A&M can get up on Notre Dame, uh, looking at their numbers throughout the season, they're not built to come back in those kind of games. And A&M's got a, an offense that can kind of break your neck, uh, if you will, or break your back. Um, as they keep piling on runs. Yeah, I think um, obviously you'd, you'd want to get up early if you can, but I think it's more important to just um, keep Notre Dame off the board. The idea is that maybe you're going to break through sooner or later, but as long as Notre Dame doesn't have uh, you know, a lot of offensive output, um, when that time comes that you break through, you're going to feel pretty good. I know that, that Schloss is uh, concerned about the pitching and the defense and, and he's, you know, acknowledged, you know, we got the worst defense here and, you know, our pitching is not as deep as Notre Dame. So I think uh, I'm not sure who's going to start today. It might be, it's typically Prager. Uh, I was talking to Sam. He says, he thinks it's going to be Wyatt Tucker who pitched really well the other day against Oklahoma when he came in. Uh, but I think whoever it is going to have a real short leash. They get in any trouble, he's going to be uh, doing whatever he can. It's going to be all hands on deck, right? Because there's no point in saving somebody for the next game if there's not going to be a next game. Obi, uh, I want to call in uh, Zane over there. <laughs> I have this stat that I started off the show with, and I'll just throw it at at you. Uh, Texas A&M is 29 and six when they score at least six runs in the College World Series. They have obviously scored 18 runs. Yeah, uh, but once again, A and M is down to their uh, to their you know third pitcher. Probably, can you can you do you feel like six runs will be enough? I hope so. Uh, and again, again, Notre Dame is not a big scoring team. They've averaged four point five runs a game in the uh, uh, in the uh, postseason. Uh, so it, I'll say this: if they can keep. Notre Dame to four or five runs, I'm going to feel pretty confident. Well, let's do this. Let's hit a break here, Obi, and come back because I want to look at the Tennessee series to kind of be an, an example of things to look towards and things to avoid when it comes to uh, this game against Notre Dame. We'll do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Texags Radio. If you want to be a part of the show, you can call us up on the BCSI hotline, 979-693-1150 or text us on the AMB text line, that same number, 979-693-1150. 
have an admission to make. Mick Jagger might be cooler than Justin Timberlake. Sorry, guys. Forget who sent it to my attention, but there, there was a video circulating on Twitter of Justin Timberlake, who's aged a little bit, dancing like it's 1984 um, and not looking very cool. And I'll say this. Maybe in his 20s, he was cooler than Mick Jagger, but Mick Jagger dances better than J- JT does right now, OB. So I apologize. This might be more of a bit, but I do apologize that that happened. So welcome back to the show. I think Broniger may be cooler than Justin Timberlake. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, let, let's slow down. By the way, uh, let's slow down. our big let's man, Bronny, who's so connected, just informed me that uh, Notre Dame has announced that they will start. Oh, they have, that they expect, I should say this, expect to start uh, Liam Simon. Now, he's a guy that uh, got knocked out after, uh, I think, in the second inning against Tennessee. Let's do that. So Let's do that. So your theory that A&M better get off to a, a fast start, uh, you know, th- that probably, uh, uh, you know, uh, underscores your theory because you don't want to be behind when, uh, when Finley comes in. Yeah, no, um, you do. <laughs> you, you, but by the way, though, Stranger things have happened in baseball, and with this baseball team, I would not ever count them out. You can be in the ninth inning, and you can have Finley out there, and I still think they, they have a chance. They've built up yeah. that much cachet, but I agree with you. Um, let's not put ourselves in that position. I, I was texting back and forth with somebody during the Texas game, and I'm like, you know what? This 2-2 two to two thing is cool when it was 2-2, two to two, but let's just win 12-2, and we got close. We got 10-2. to two. Made it. Well, very- Ronnie, Ronnie told me the night before, he said A&M's going to score nine runs. You know, he only missed it by one. A guy knows his baseball. But uh, what does he think today? Uh, I haven't had, he, he said, well, I, I say this. He thinks that if uh, Notre Dame scores five runs, that A&M might be in trouble. Okay. So don't, don't allow five runs. All right. Because that's above what they've done here. Although their last uh, two or three games, they've scored, I think it's three out of four games, excuse me, seven, six, and six. So they've done it against some pretty good teams. Uh, all right, Obi. so how much can we read into their victory over Tennessee? Uh, they were able to stop that offense. A&M is at their best when they're scoring runs and getting those crooked numbers in those innings. How much can you think you, we can read into the Tennessee series as something to, A, avoid, and B, try to overcome? Well, I think you, you look at it and you, you raise your eyebrows and say, oh, my gosh. You know, if you can uh, hold that uh, offense – to three runs at, at you know in Knoxville, uh, in a in a in a very crucial game for the uh, for the College World Series. I mean, uh, th- that says a lot. Uh, you have to respect that. So I think that really does it. it, it I know it, at the time, I would have lost a pile of money on that. I would have thought, okay, Tennessee at home in a game three against a third day pitcher. Uh, yeah, that that looked like a a given. Um, and it started off that way, but, um, you know, Schlossnagel's really feels like the key is just good pitching and finally playing better defense, you know, making the plays that are there to be made. We all talked about what happened against Oklahoma. They could have won that game. Yeah. Uh, and then they got off to that kind of a similar start against Texas, but, you know, played better defense after that. And then of course we saw what happened and, you know, that Texas pitcher, uh, what was his name? Gordon, uh, he had been, uh, you know, I talked to some people that covered Texas and he had been like their, their star, uh, 
So, you know, I, I'm with you. Uh, you don't just raise up the white flag if this Finley guy comes in. This offense can can has shown it can hit just about anybody. Yeah, but I, uh, it, it, it certainly certainly would be uh, would behoove your chances if you get off to a fast start against whoever the, they're throwing. Ob, this team has had to do this on several occasions, but win by committee. Um, it feels like that's what the game plan is going to be today. I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw either Prager or uh, Tucker start and then, uh, you know, maybe go three innings even, maybe four if you're lucky, and then somebody else come in for two, and then and then uh, uh, Cortez come in for two, and, you know, just whoever. Again, uh, it's it's you do whatever it takes today because – yeah, I mean, you would love to feel like that you would have a pitcher go out and throw you seven strong innings, but there's really been nothing that you've seen that would would make you think that that that's what's going to happen today because they their their third day pitching typically hasn't uh, you know hasn't been that 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 sound. So I, I I like what Prager's given the Aggies this year. If he is the guy that goes, I talked about in the top of the show, he has not made it out of the fifth inning since mid March. Okay. Uh, you get five innings out of him from today, you're winning this game um, because I, I really feel that strong about the the back end of the bullpen, the way they've been playing. Uh, also, he hasn't uh, lasted more than four innings in three consecutive starts. So that, I guess that magic number for him would be four to five innings. If you can get that from him, uh, you, you've got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, and again, if he's uh, if he if gets he's the there, the first sign of trouble, you know, they're probably going to lift him and bring somebody else in because of that bullpen has pitched so well, typically. The free bases, obviously, it's uh, something that has been a heavy emphasis. You cannot give free bases. And and, uh, and the defense, too. The defense has, has had their lapses. Uh, at this point, we can't get in. You know, they're not like practicing, practicing, right? There is more of mental reps, if, if anything. Um, but that's got to be something <laughs> in the back of their mind. Well, we went to practice the other day, and they were practice practicing. Oh, were they? All especially right. on uh, covering first base and, and and fielding bunts and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know what they did, or even if they did practice yesterday, but I do know the day before the Texas game, uh, <laughs> they were practicing, and and uh, Las Eagle was. Uh, let, let's just say he had a very critical eye that day, <laughs> making sure that they got better at it. Well, he's got to. He's got to. That is, uh, again, take away some of those mistakes. They're on the winner's side of this bracket, not where they are right now, in my opinion. That that Oklahoma game feels way different. Well, it absolutely could have been. You know, uh, again, they scored seven runs in the second inning with two out and had some opportunities. Uh, uh, you know, Ronnie and I have debated the significance of it, but, you know, when you have two outs and the number nine hitter and a 0-2 count on him and hitting, uh, you know, that seemed like, that's where everything started to fall apart. You know, get the number nine hitter right when you got two outs and there's not a seven uh, and two strikes. There's not a seven uh, run inning. And, you know, then again, maybe everything changes. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so for you, who has been the story of the postseason? If there's a player or maybe a group of players that are, you've been like, the Aggies are here because of the contributions they've gotten from this person, who, who would you say? <laughs> Man, that's a tough question because, you know, there's so many, you know, I, one of the, I tell you two guys that have really stood out to me offensively and pitching and offensively, you know, I've been so impressed with, uh, 
Jordan Thompson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a number eight hitter that's that's really been coming through and uh, hitting with power, hitting hitting at, at clutch times, uh, and then you know Palish. I mean, you got to if you're going to pick one guy. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could pick, but you know Palish is just pitched so well and then when he came in in that situation against uh against texas uh and pitched so well um yeah i mean he comes to mind for me immediately wasn't it wasn't he the guy that came in with the the three two count against louisville yeah yeah got the back out yeah and then he so, bases loaded the other day against uh texas and gets the big strikeout against melendez he's been by the way there isn't a wrong answer but those are the two names i was thinking myself Oh really? Okay. Great minds think alike. I wonder what. I wonder how Bronny would answer that question. No, he'll he'll because, give uh, he'll give you the opposite of what you want him to give you, just to be you know Bronny. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's just I, how I think, he rolls. But, but I, I have to admit, uh, this is the first time I've actually been around Broniger to to cover baseball. You know, with him there, and I I hate to give him too much credit, but man, he knows the game. He does he definitely know the game. He does know the game. Um, so for you, OB, we're we're gonna round out our baseball. I got a one football thing for you. What what is the key to a victory today? If you had to pick a couple things that you we need to see, what are they? Uh, keeping uh, uh, keeping to a minimum, the absolute minimum, free bases. Okay, make Notre Dame work for anything, and then. Uh, uh, you know, work the count and do what you always do. You know, work the count and try to. Now, maybe you don't want to get into the bullpen necessarily with, with uh, Finley, but you know, work the count and, and approach it the way you always have, and you know, just try to wear down that pitching staff. So we are today a month away, Ob, from Jimbo Fisher taking the podium. This today would be the last day of SEC media days. Uh, I, I don't know, man, but I feel like it is here. Like now, like once this typically I feel like there's been a baseball ends and there's a little bit no. This hopefully this goes at least another week and they're winning a national championship. But it, football season's here, man. Yeah, it, you know, this has been a, a an interesting year in that uh in in a good way. In that usually you just feel like they're like you're will uh lost in the wilderness of the of the of the sports calendar uh after after football season but you know the basketball you got so much excitement out of that run to the NIT and and anger that you didn't get into the NCAA and all that but it was exciting and then baseball about the time basketball ended baseball was turning things around and then you've had this really exciting run so it's really made the the wait for football season uh not so frustrating or you know you're not you're not uh just feel like there's nothing going on and but you you know uh yeah the sec media days will be here before you know it and uh to me that's kind of like when i don't know if that's when football season starts but that when the that's when the doors open right you haven't really started the you haven't had the the restaurant that's when the restaurant you're in the restaurant you're being seated like last night it said it seemed like an uh like a month after we got seated before we got our food but now you know the food is coming so um but you know part of that ob part of the reason i, I think you're you, you hit it on with the way golf has gone 
uh, track went basketball, baseball extended season, but also the storylines in football never stopped. And I'm not just talking about the Saban fiasco. I'm talking about the number one recruiting class, how NIL's changing, how there's uh, you know, the transfer report. There, there's been a real like the offseason has every year felt a little shorter, but this year in particular with A and M storylines has really made it uh I don't say smoother transition, but it just it just felt like football was in the air all year. Yeah. It feels like that. Well, you know, Two years ago, it was A&M saying, uh, or last year it was A&M saying, or Jimbo Fisher saying A&M was going to, you know, beat Alabama or Saban's ass before retired. And everybody was talking about that. And then it's this year, it's everything going. I think A&M's become this, uh, this team that, or this program that, for what, for better or worse, people are always going to be talking about in the offseason. And, and I love that. And it goes back to your, your coach and, and the way he approaches things. And he's not going to back down from anybody. I love that. But you're right. You know, the, the whole thing with Saban, uh, that sure gave a lot of people uh, in, our, in our profession, uh, you know, easy content for, for a month. So uh, you're welcome, I guess. I've, been, I've actually been approached by people uh, here that have said, you know, we, we loved – what was going on with AM because it made it so easy to to get through the offseason and give them things to write about. They hate us because they ain't us, uh, OB. And the fact is, every, like people that I respect, by the way, writers and broadcasters around the world are talking about AM more than ever because they know that it moves the needle. And that's the, that's the bottom line. Fans care, fan engagement from our side and from others as well. Absolutely. And, uh, A&M, as we've talked about, is now the team uh, for football with the black hat. And uh, I think that's great. Embrace it. Just go out there. And if they have the kind of season that I personally think they're going to have, people are going to be talking about them a lot more. Yeah, they are. Thanks, OB. Enjoy the game. We'll be catching up with you tomorrow. Hopefully you're there for an extended stay. Uh, It's an elimination game, but uh, they're built for this, my friend. Thank you very much. Bet. Thank you, David. All right. There is the great OB on the BCSI hotline. Appreciate his time. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the first hour here in a moment. Right now, I'm talking uh, Heritage Films. Chance McLean is my buddy there. Yourheritagefilm.com is the website um, where you can find out how to get a documentary done about you, about your mom, about your father. It's a great website, um, but really the service that Chance provides is second to none. Uh, if you haven't really considered like what this would mean for your family, just think of it this way. It's a gift. That is going to be given to your kids, to their kids, to their kids. We're talking grandkid after grandkid, right? The, your story, your family's history preserved and told from a first-person account. And I'm telling you guys, it's going to feel like you're watching a movie on Netflix, on the, you know, was it the History Channel, whatever it may be. Wherever you get your documentaries on HBO, that's what it feels like. The music, the video, the questions, the production of it all. Chance does such a wonderful job. He's done radio stations, movies. Broadway musicals. He's done it all, and now his uh, his passion is telling your story. Check out the website, yourheritagefilm.com, yourheritagefilm.com, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. All right, we're back, Texas Radio. We're presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate everybody listening in. It is a game day, getting you ready for the Notre Dame game. In the 9 o'clock hour, Billy Lucci is going to join us, and uh, we'll talk some baseball with Billy, but he's got some football to get into. I'm sure many of you saw the Reuben Owens news that came down yesterday, uh, committing to Louisville, kind of uh, out of left field. I'll just say, we'll see how that plays out.
we'll see how the, how things play out there. I'm not saying he's not going to go there. I'm just saying it's it's early in the process, and I think that one came out of left field. So we'll see we'll see how that plays out. All right, we go to uh, Sam Kamen, who's got some thoughts on on Notre Dame. Sam, you were telling me during one of the breaks that you feel that we've seen this playbook before. Yeah, I I mean watching the Tennessee and um, Notre Dame series game three at least. Tennessee was controlling that matchup up until like the sixth or seventh inning where some opportunistic offense for the Irish uh, struck and it was two home runs that uh, solo shot and then a two run shot to right field. And by that time it was tied up three to three and that just like put the dagger in the heart for the Vols and then they just kept hitting away. And one thing I noticed is they will play small ball to manufacture runs outside of their third baseman. They, they've got a lot of solid guys. Their third baseman's their best player, and they're not afraid to use small ball to manufacture runs. And so for, the, for a team like us where we struggle uh, fielding and especially fielding bunts, it's going to be imperative to make sure we're on top of our game and like ob said free passes whether it come by walk hit by pitches or errors are uh are killers because those are free outs that they're giving you especially when you're trying to sack bunt a guy from first to second that's a free out they're giving you so you got to make those plays and try and limit uh those free passes Thank you, Sam. Uh, I'm going to read a quick one here from Jim and Temple. Collective positive power of the brain can do amazing things for A&M and all sports have to maintain it. Maintain the collective mindset today against Notre Dame that was there against TU for nine full innings. Yeah, let's do it. All of us be a little positive. I've noticed a little more positivity on the boards, on the text messages, on our host, uh, everybody, right? It's... uh, feels good to have a team like uh, this Aggie baseball team that you can believe in, just like uh, the basketball team gave you a lot of belief towards the end of that season. All right, hour number two coming up. Billy Lucci will join us. Football on tap with Billy. Of course, uh, we'll get into some baseball as well. You're listening to Tex-Ags Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We are here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.